that's some real music. All right. You know, there's Christmas music on the radio, though. And it's been there for months, it seems like. I'm pretty sure it started the day after Halloween. Certainly that's when the decorations went up in all the stores, right? And I love Christmas music, but it's a bit early for my tastes, you know? Now that it's December, I suppose we can start thinking about listening to some Christmas music. That's my opinion, at least. But actually, as you know, in the church, we have this little season that comes before Christmas called Advent. And it's this lead-up time, this preparation, the on-deck circle for Christmas. And I love that the church calendar invites us to pause for these four weeks of Advent. It gives us time to explore this interesting phenomenon we have of knowing what's coming next, Christmas, but actually having to wait for it, right? Now, as a kid, that's one of the hardest things you ever have to do. And truth be told, even as an adult, it can be hard to have that delayed gratification. There's a lot of different ways to approach a situation like this. And in fact, each Sunday of Advent gives us a particular theme to consider. You might have heard when we were lighting the Advent candle, the first Sunday of Advent is the Sunday of Hope. We know that the baby Jesus is coming soon, and so we're invited to look to the future with hope in the meantime. There's obviously a lot to explore with a theme like hope and waiting, and so it's time, I think, that we got down to business, right? We will be exploring Luke's Gospel, chapter 21, this morning, and I've titled this sermon for the first Sunday of Advent, Hopes and Fears. Please pray with me. May the meditations of my heart and the words of my lips be acceptable to you, O Lord. Send your living word to walk amongst us now, to challenge our assumptions, to set our hearts ablaze, and to make us whole again. Amen. I'll begin with a story. Shortly after my first child, Evelyn, was born, my wife and I, started binge-watching the television show House. And I knew that we were going to be spending a lot of time at home with our newborn daughter. And so, on the day that she was born, I hopped on Amazon.com, and I ordered the first three seasons of this show, House, on DVD. You see, this was before Netflix really got big, and so DVD box sets were still the way to go if you wanted to binge-watch a television show. And so, over the next several weeks, my wife and I, and our newborn daughter, Evelyn, watched episode upon episode of House M.D. For those of you not familiar with the show, House is a medical drama about Dr. Gregory House, a surly yet genius doctor. It's a lot like Sherlock Holmes, only if Sherlock Holmes had been a doctor solving medical mysteries, okay? And so for the first weeks of my daughter's life, I was watching House solve medical mystery after medical mystery until, much more quickly than I was expecting, I came to the final episode of season three. During this particular episode, Dr. House is shot by a deranged patient at the clinic. And he survives the attack and, in fact, continues going on with his work in the hospital. He continues seeing patients and diagnosing ailments, but over the course of the episode, it becomes very clear that he's not operating at 100%. He says that he's fine, but it's obvious that the gunshot wound is not only affecting his livelihood and his health, 
but also his ability to do his job. Things just keep getting worse and worse and more and more strange, and then the episode ends. And again, it wasn't just the end of the episode. It was the end of season three. It was the end of all the box sets that I had purchased for this occasion. And so amazingly, I was left with a cliffhanger. And no way to really know, was House going to be all right? Were his patients going to be okay? What was going to happen next? But you know, then a really funny thing happened. The next day, I was watching football on TV, okay? And, and, I was, and the thing about football, love football, but you got to admit, there are so many pauses in the game, right? There's a timeout here, a timeout there, a challenge flag, a booth review. And so there's all sorts of pauses within the game itself. And, and so it was during one of these timeouts when we were cut to a commercial break and the following thing happened. We cut to the commercial break and I hear this. Tune in tomorrow at 8, 7 central for the stunning premiere of House Season 8. Watch as House tackles his toughest case yet. It's the episode everyone will be talking about. Now, it took a moment for my mind to connect the dots. Because I've been watching a lot of TV lately, and so I wasn't as quick on my feet. And so I said, wait a second, wait a second. That commercial just said that House Season 8 was about to start. But I was just watching the end of Season 3 last night, and I was worried if House is going to be okay. But if Season 8 starts tomorrow, then everything's going to be all right. (laughs) You see, my point in telling you this story, when we get a hint about how the story will end, it can make everything seem a lot more okay in the moment. I was worried about Dr. House, but then I saw that commercial and I knew that everything was going to be fine. And the truth is, as messed up as everything might seem in our world right now, as worried and undone as we might feel about the current state of things, Jesus tells us how the story's going to end. It's in our scripture passage today from Luke's Gospel. Jesus is teaching in the temple, and then he starts giving a real fire and brimstone sermon. He starts talking about signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and distress among the nations and roaring seas and crashing waves and fear and foreboding all around. And my guess is that for some of us, this can all make us afraid. can feel like Jesus is describing our current situation right now. Distress among the nations. Check. Roaring seas and crashing waves and an earthquake in Alaska. Check. Fear and foreboding all around. Check. But calm down, calm down a second. Before you get overcome with fear, you need to realize that Jesus wasn't saying all these things to make people scared. He wasn't saying these things so that we would make a checklist in our head and then start to count down the days before the world came to an end. Let's look carefully at what he was actually saying. And I think you'll find that it's actually a very hopeful message. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 21, and we'll begin at verse 25. Luke 21, verse 25. Here we go. Jesus says, There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on earth distress among the nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of heaven will be shaken. Okay, so that's all the stuff that might get us scared. But now look at what Jesus says next. Then they will see 
the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. You see, Jesus is telling us how the story is going to end. And the point isn't to get caught up in all the details that come first. The point isn't for all of us to start worrying that the end might be near. The point is that no matter how scary things might get now, we can hold our heads high. For we know the ending. We know that the Son of Man will come back and redemption will be set in motion. I get it though, I get it. It's much easier to just be afraid. There's lots out there that causes us fear right now. There's lots going on that makes us worry and uncertain about the future. We've got fears about our loved ones, about the direction of their lives and if they're going to be all right and make the right decisions. We've got fears now about climate change with another report coming out saying how dire the situation is actually getting. We've got fears about how you're going to pay the heating bill this month or fears about gun violence and mass shootings or fears about the divisiveness in politics. Whether it's big fears or little fears, I'm sure we could all make a laundry list of things that weigh heavily upon our heart. Maybe you're not afraid right now, though. But lots of people, that's the problem. Lots of people are afraid. And when folks are afraid, often the results of that fear and the reaction to that fear causes all sorts of pain and suffering for others. Think about it. Think about it. Fear is what causes wars to break out. Fear is what causes inequality and prejudice to rear its ugly head. Fear is what causes division in our nation. Fear is what causes communal unrest. When people are afraid, they're not at their best. When people are afraid, they make decisions about others without even knowing them. There's fear like that all around, I think we can agree. And sometimes it can feel like it's the whole story. But as Christians... We have in our arsenal a weapon that can always defeat fear. For thousands of years, in different ways and in different countries and in different contexts, people have been leaning on their Christian faith during difficult times like these. And it's been their faith that God is with them in their struggle. Their faith that better days are indeed coming soon. It's their faith in the promises of God that has always empowered them to face their fears and hold their heads high and look towards the promised future when the Son of Man will come again in power and glory. We have no reason to fear, church, because our faith in Jesus provides us with every reason to hope. The past, the present, the future, all of it is in the hands of God, and so there is no need to fear. We have a never-ending supply of hope, a never-ending resolve to keep going and keep fighting because we know that Jesus is coming back to put the whole broken, sinful world back together. Your diagnosis will not have the final word. Your sinful choices and past mistakes are not the final word. Your broken marriage is not the final word. Your kids and grandkids who are lost and wandering, that's not the final word. The final words are healing and forgiveness and resurrection and redemption. That's what the Son of Man is going to bring. That's how this story is going to end. There is hope for the future because we know the ending of the story. I learned something really interesting recently. I learned that when we are afraid, 
our body reacts in a very specific way. You see, when you're afraid, your pulse starts to quicken. And your pupils dilate and your adrenaline rushes. But here's the really interesting thing. When you're anticipating the future, when you're excited about what's coming next, your pulse quickens and your pupils dilate and your adrenaline rushes. In other words, to our human bodies, fear and hope are almost exactly the same thing. And so that means that it comes down to a decision on our part. Will we face the future with fear or with hope? Some people live in fear, and that's why our country is turning its back on thousands of immigrants who are seeking asylum at our border. Many of those who shout the loudest about turning these vulnerable people away are well-meaning Christians. But they've chosen to live by fear. But thankfully, there are also those who are led by hope. There are other Christians out there who know that the Bible says you need to welcome the stranger and love your neighbor. And in their calls to welcome the stranger, they're actually practicing what the kingdom of God looks like. Their hopeful actions are giving us a glimpse of what the world might look like when God returns in the end of days. We can choose, church. We can choose to face each day with fear or with hope. And that decision will make all the difference. When we choose fear, it destroys and it robs us of the values that make us who we are and who we're supposed to be as Christians. But when we choose hope, when we put hope into practice, we will see the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. When we act out of hope, we glimpse how the story ends. This question about fear and hope It's what the gospel writer Luke is asking us this morning with this passage. In that passage from Luke, Jesus tells us how the story will end, but inherent in his words is a question for us. Okay, so you know what it'll look like when the Son of Man comes with great power and glory, but then how are you going to live in the meantime? That's what Jesus asks us. That's what the gospel writer Luke is asking us. Will you live in fear? Will you let fear make you suspicious of others and possessive of your blessings? Or will you live with hope? Will you give generously, love fully, and welcome endlessly? Or or, or how about not just on the individual level, what about us as a church? Now I know that everything here at Reformation isn't as perfect as maybe we hoped. Sure, we've come a long way in the last year together, but maybe you wish that we were further on down the road. Maybe you're starting to become afraid that we might not get to the place that you were picturing. But the truth is, we have a choice. And if we approach the future of our church with a mindset of fear, it will destroy us. Hope for the future. Joy about what God is already doing in this place. Excitement for the possibilities that lie ahead. That's what we need more of. That type of mindset will pull us into the future with energy and exuberance. Looking towards the future with hope will open our minds to new possibilities. It will connect us with our neighbors in new ways. It will cause us to say with joy and wonder, Wow, God, what are you going to do next? In our lives and in our church, we need a mindset of hope. Not a fear mindset. 
As I've said, hope and fear are, are strangely similar. And so that means that it all just comes down to a decision on our part. Which will we choose? Fear or hope? The scriptures make it plain. Lift your heads high, for redemption is on the way. God entered the world as a tiny baby and did amazing things. And God has promised to enter the world again to do even more amazing work. So do not be afraid. Do not let the fear drag you into the evils of hatred and selfishness and greed. Lift your heads high and live by hope, church. We know how the story is going to end. And so in the meantime, we get to live by faith. We get to live by love. And most of all, we get to live by hope. Praise God for this incredible opportunity. Amen.